0: Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I've got the uh, 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 message I just can't wait to release tonight. I shared this last night and I had such a response of, of uh, people receiving a truth that they so needed for the season that they're in right now. I feel like I want to pray before we start for a couple of things. I want to pray if anybody is um, either extraordinarily tired. Sometimes when you come at seven o'clock at night, especially in heat like this, you're tired. So I want to pray for that. I also want to pray if anybody has pain in their body. So if either one of those categories apply to you, would you just stand up? We're just going to pray. Pain or tired, fatigued. Father, we come right now into a place of seeking you. You tell us in your word to come to you with our requests, with our specific requests, that you hear us and you answer our prayers. So I speak right now over fatigue. I speak over fatigue, not just of body, but also of soul. Father, I pray that we are energized, that we are um, um, uh, awakened in in our soul and even in our physical body. That we are refreshed, supernaturally refreshed and awakened and filled with uh, um, an expectation of, God, what do you have for me tonight? Without that heaviness of the fatigue, in Jesus' name. And I also come against pain. Pain that can be a distraction. Pain that can be hard to um, uh, um, receive because you've got a big screaming shout in your ear with that pain. So, Father, I speak to pain right now. Pain, I command you to be silenced in Jesus' name. Spirit of pain, be silenced. Even if there is a nerve issue, a physical cause for pain, or if there's any other issue that is a physical cause for pain, God, I thank you right now that you touch those areas and the pain is removed. Thank you that the distraction of pain is removed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. Okay, so this message is part three in a series. So if you've not heard the first two parts, go back and listen on our website. But I am going to give you a little recap. The title of the series is called Possess the Land. Possess the Land. The first week that we were together, we, I gave you an a in-depth um, overview of the the, possessing, the possession of the promised land. It took a long time. It took a long, long time. The promise was given to Abraham, and that promise was then given to his son, Isaac, and then it was given to his son, Jacob. And then they went into slavery for 400 years, the whole family, <laughs> the family of, of Abraham, and they multiplied and they multiplied and they multiplied. And then... God spoke through Moses. He says, it's time to set my people free. It's time for them to receive the promised land that they've been waiting for. And so we know the story. They went into, I'm not going to go through all of the details, but they went into the wilderness, and they were supposed to go right to the promised land. They were on their way to take possession of their inheritance. It was already theirs. It was already provided. And yet they didn't step into the promised land because of their unbelief, because of their murmuring and their complaining. Only two people from that entire generation of thousands, I think even millions of people, the only two people from that generation that that actually possessed the promised land were Jacob, I'm sorry, Joshua and Caleb because they believed the promise. When they saw the greatness of the giants, just like the other um, leaders had seen, instead of keeping their eye on the greatness of the problem, the hugeness of the giants, and their, um, their size, which was like grasshoppers compared to the giants, Joshua and Caleb said, God said, God said that we have a promised land, a land of milk and honey, a land of... Um, amazing abundance and they said we're choosing the promise and those were the only two that actually possess the land so we looked at the old covenant promised land and then we and then I I shared with you that our promise because we're talking about possessing the promise our promise our promised land is all of the new covenant grace that Jesus possessed for us, that Jesus promised us, everything that is provided through the grace of Jesus is for us. It's our possession, just like the promised land was their possession. But it's not automatic. We have a part to play in possessing it. The first week I talked about possessing the truth because I think that's the first step. We need to possess the truth of the promises. So that truth becomes deposited inside of us, just like it did inside of Joshua and Caleb. And then the next week we talked about possessing our true identity, possessing who we are. First we need to know the truth of the Word, and then we need to know who we are as born-again children of God. We receive our new identity when we're born again, but we need to know that identity. And possess that identity. And then the promised land can come into existence in our lives. Those promises can be manifested in our lives. Possess the truth, possess your identity, and then you will possess the promise. So that's what we were talking about last week. Today we're going to move into the the third section, and we're going to be in this third section for two or three weeks. The third section is one specific promise. And that is the promise of healing. There are so many pieces of God's extravagant grace. But as Lisa prayed when she opened us up today, Jesus completely gave to us a great exchange. He took our sickness. He took our pain. And gave us his wholeness and his health there was a divine exchange we're gonna look at scripture that gives evidence to that today it's ours healing is ours as born-again believers it is our present possession in the spiritual realm but in order for that to become manifest in our life this is this is again the simplicity of Cindy the elementary teacher but this is how I see it and it's so simple it's already ours in the spiritual realm But in order for us to see it in our life, it needs to get into our soul. We need to be renewed so that, and we're going to talk more about this today, so that what is ours in the spiritual realm is absolutely painted on the canvas of our heart. And that the identity of who we are is painted on the canvas of our heart. And then we will see it in the physical realm. So first we have it in the spiritual realm. Then it becomes real in our soul before we actually see it in our body. Now, that's not 100% of the time because God is God. He's amazing. He's a miracle-working God, and he doesn't always go through step A, B, and C. But that's that, A, B, and C, is available for every single believer. Amen. Yeah, Glenn. Amen. That's good news. So let's get started with this session. Last week I posed a question, and I'm going to start where I I left off last week, and it is, has the sickness or the issue in your life that you're in the midst of, the pain, the sickness, the issue in your life, and it might be multifaceted, has that become your identity? Have you received it as who you are? So let's look for just a minute. At some research because this is proven scientifically and God's going to show you biblically that his, his word is true and it backs up this research so here's the research research on everything from exercise to eating behaviors to sexuality to political action to even drug use or drug addiction suggests that having one's identity wrapped up in a particular behavior is a crucial motivating factor to sustaining it. So if you see yourself as a smoker, it's going to be very difficult to break that thing off. Whatever you see yourself as is very closely connected to that behavior or that life thing that's happening in your life. If you see yourself as um uh an angry person this is a this is a simple example but there are different cultures italian one of those cultures and they say i'm italian i got a quick temper because i'm italian if you buy that identity it'll be really difficult to not have flashes of anger but that's not who god says you are god has given you the fruits of the spirit and one of those fruits is self-control That's who you are, that's your real identity. So if your identity, if you've bought a lie that isn't in agreement with God's truth, it can be so connected with the behavior that it's very difficult to be delivered of that behavior. The same is true if you have bought an identity of sickness. Maybe you've had a a diagnosis for many, many years or a chronic pain for many, many years. As Pastor Tim says, if you make peace with it, you're going to keep it. It means you kind of accepted it as your identity. But there's good news. You don't have to keep it. Here's another piece of that same research. One of the best ways to change a health behavior is to change your identity that goes along with that behavior. For example, if a smoker begins to view themselves as a non-smoker, or if a teenager sees binge drinking as something a pers- kid like me, oh no, I would not do that, then a behavior change is typically very easy to, ha- to happen. And it's lasting and it's permanent because the person's sense of ad- identity is connected with it. Ken and I have ministered to many people um, to break off the addiction of smoking. It's just something that is, seems to be really easy, especially for Ken. He prays for people and they get delivered of nicotine addiction. And what we always tell people when when they want prayer, they're ready, they say, I don't want to be a smoker. So we pray for them. We lay hands on them and pray for them. But we also say, every time you pick up a cigarette, say, I hate smoking. I'm not a smoker. Start declaring who you really are. Say, I don't have an addiction. The only thing I'm addicted to is Jesus. No more nicotine addiction. And when you start speaking that, declaring that, and start seeing yourself as a non smoker, then it's much, much easier to be completely free of that addiction. And that's true for any other identity thing that you've bought unknowingly. You don't do it on, intentionally, but it happens unknowingly. So here's Pastor Tim's quote Your new identity in Christ is very important to your healing. If you're believing things about yourself that are not your true identity in Christ, then you are under the deception of the enemy. Last week we talked about the the enemy's ploy to steal your identity, identity theft. He doesn't want you to step into your new identity as a, a daughter or a son of God with the inheritance of God. He wants to steal it. He also wants to give you an identity crisis. The deception, the twisted truth, or partial truth. Because if he does that, he knows he can keep you from receiving the fullness of what God has for you. So if your identity doesn't match, if the identity you're living and believing doesn't match your true identity in Christ, it can affect your health and it can affect Your ability to receive the fullness of your healing that Jesus died for so this is important here's a question what is the primary picture in your heart how do you see yourself how do you see yourself your identity do you envision yourself healthy do you envision yourself strong Do you envision yourself well able to do what God's called you to do? Or do you envision yourself aging, growing weaker, not as strong anymore? Do you envision yourself sickly? Do you envision yourself not able to fulfill the calling on your life? Here's another example. Do you envision yourself succeeding? Do you see yourself moving forward in the gifts that are in you? It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter if you're retired. It doesn't matter. God's got plans for all of us for every season of our life. Do you see yourself moving ahead? Or do you see yourself kind of done? Maybe um, not able, not worthy, not strong enough, not qualified? How are you seeing yourself? Whenever we hear a bad report or a negative report or whenever we feel something in our body, a symptom or a pain, we have the potential to paint something on that canvas of our heart that doesn't agree with God. We have the potential to begin to see ourselves sick or failing or not as strong. If the picture that's on your heart, the picture that you see yourself as, is different than the truth of God's word, then it can be very difficult to believe God for healing. That statement was really important. If you hear something, a report. If you feel something in your body, a pain or whatever. And if you meditate on it, if you think about it, if you see yourself sick, if you see and if you do the what-ifs and the, oh my gosh, what's going on, and you imagine it, and you paint a picture on your, in your heart that's negative and that isn't in agreement with the truth of the word, then it can be really difficult to receive what God has for you. Even believers who believe in healing, I know the word of the Lord, I know what the scripture says, but even if we know what the word is, if a picture in your heart has has displaced the truth of the word, then it can affect your believing and your receiving. But here's good news. We can paint a new picture in our hearts. We can dispossess that old identity. We can dispossess whatever that thing is that's been trying to take up residence in there. And we can replace it with the truth and possess healing and health. Because today, our subject is possessing healing, possessing wholeness. Uh, at the be- very beginning of this year, in January, I taught a series, actually, I think it was just two sessions, on staying sensitive to God. The second part, part two, I put this in your notes because I really recommend you go back and re listen to Staying Sensitive to God, part two. I'm going to give you a cliff notes version of that tonight, but it is a powerful tool to change the picture in your heart. I'm going to talk about two strategies. The first one is using a positive imagination. A positive imagination is imagining yourself being healed. Imagining your body working the way that it's supposed to be working. For example, when I was diagnosed with cancer, my lymph nodes weren't working. They were, that's where the cancer was. It was through my whole lymphatic system. So I had a positive imagination. I didn't even know this truth, this spiritual truth. But I did this. This is something that just um, I'm sure Holy Spirit helped me to, to do, to take a powerful step. I started to see my lymph nodes doing what they were supposed to do. Instead of being overcome by cancer, because there was melanoma in my whole lymphatic system that was overtaking my body, but I said, no, no, no. God created lymph nodes to destroy disease. So I started to envision this little war going on in my lymph nodes with my, my body, my white blood cells, eating up cancer, like Pac-Mans. And I saw this little war going on, and I envisioned it instead of imagining my body being overcome with cancer I was imagining my lymphatic system destroying cancer that's positive imagination another example one of the scriptures that just just spoke to my heart was the scriptures that said the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in me there's more to the scripture but that's the only part that I thought of that I meditated on and I just imagined this great big Holy Spirit, not a little bitty baby Holy Spirit, but full-blown Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead in me. And so I envisioned the light of the Spirit, and that's how I envisioned Him, was as a healing light in my body, literally just filling up every, every part of my body, every part of the inside of my body with this radiant light And I saw it almost as radiation, but God radiation. Just healing my body, I would just envision this powerful Holy Spirit getting rid of every single cell of cancer. The light of Christ displacing the darkness of evil. So that was a positive imagination. Another part of positive imagination is to imagine yourself healthy. Imagine yourself doing what you want to do healthy. Imagine yourself sharing your testimony everywhere you go, imagining yourself up in front of the church on Sunday saying, let me tell you what God did in me. Imagining yourself, uh, whatever you love to do, Um, Nathan, our friend Nathan, we love Nathan, his vision is playing basketball with his grandson. Marlene's vision was riding bicycles. She had never even walked, never once. She'd never felt the ground underneath her feet. But she was envisioning herself riding bike on a beautiful summer day. Envision yourself healthy. So that's a positive imagination. But then there's another higher level. And I call it a sanctified imagination. The definition of sanctified is to be made holy to be separated from the world the world's view the world's way of thinking the world's limitations and to be set apart for god and his use for you sanctified imagination i'm going to read two scriptures they're both the same um, reference but i'm going to read it first out of the new king james and then out of the passion You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So this is a promise for us. It talks about our mind. That word mind is the the Hebrew word yetzer. Y-E-T-S-E-R. You may want to write this because I didn't put this on your notes. Yetzer. And I want to share the four words that yetzer can be translated as. Yetzer can be translated as mind. It can also be translated as imagination. The third word is understanding. And the fourth word is conception. Let me say that again mind, imagination, understanding and conception so we're going to talk about that for a minute so this promise says if you if my children will or i'm sorry i got to reverse this god's speaking to me first he says i will keep you in perfect shalom if you keep your mind stayed on me shalom is that amazing word shalom the bible says right here he's god says Lisa, I will keep you. Keep you means protect you, surround you. Like keep you in this little bubble of peace. I will keep you in Shalom. Shalom is nothing missing and nothing broken. Shalom is healed and made whole. Shalom is soundness. Let's think think of that word, soundness in your spirit, your soul and your body. Shalom is having all your needs met in um uh I don't really like the word prosperity, because I, I don't like the, the whole prosperity message thing. But it means having all your needs met in whatever area of life you're in. It means being protected. It means welfare and safety. All of that, God says, I will keep you in peace. Keep your mind stayed on me, and you will trust in me. If we keep our mind stayed on him, We'll trust in him and he'll keep us in this perfect peace. The next translation this is the passion. Perfect, absolute peace surrounds those whose imaginations are consumed with you. They confidently trust in you. So we see that same word yetzer is now translated imaginations. Our imaginations consumed with god and he will surround us with his peace and trust is the byproduct so let's talk a little bit about what this keeping your mind state on god means because we're talking about painting a different picture on your heart we're talking about a sanctified imagination this term keeping your mind stayed on the lord is more than just knowledge of the Word of God it's more than head knowledge it's more than just saying I know lots of scriptures about healing because I do I know lots of scriptures about healing I'm not bragging I'm just saying after 18 years of teaching there's a lot of scripture in here that doesn't do me any good unless it's in here understanding is more than just knowledge or being able to recall a fact or recall a scripture understanding that's another meaning That's another one of those words for yetzer. Understanding is getting something deep down on the inside of us. A lot of people read the Bible with their head and not the imagination of their heart. That's like chewing on food but not swallowing it. Isn't that a good analogy? That's like chewing on food and spitting it out and not getting the nutrition out of it. The Word won't minister to us at its, fullness, at its fullest unless we get it deep into our hearts. How many of you have seen the series The Chosen? It's a TV series. Dale has. Liz has. I highly, 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 highly recommend it. it instead of showing... Um, oh, I'm, I just got a new devotional yesterday and I started reading it today about The Chosen. And its focus is on four characters that walk with Jesus. Mary Magdalene, Matthew the tax collector, Nicodemus the high priest, and Peter, one of the apostles. And it shows their interactions with Jesus. It shows Jesus's interactions with them. It it has just stirred up something in my heart that shows me, and I I know it's a a fiction, um, it's not really fiction, it's um, creative license that they've taken, but it so resonates with the love, the compassion of God, and how he influenced the people around him. And it helps me, in my heart, to paint a new picture, a deeper picture of Jesus. So, that's what... Growing and understanding is about. Another strategy that I love to do is to take a scripture, and instead of just reading it, I pray it. I take a scripture, I let God direct me, and instead of me reading where my bookmarker is or my ribbon is, I ask him, what do you want me to read? And I take one chapter, and I, I read two or three verses, and then I stop and I talk to God about it. I often pray about what it is that he's talking to me about. That's what talking to God is. And then I read a few more scriptures. And sometimes I just stop and praise and worship. Sometimes I stop and, and, and realize that he's giving me direction or sometimes correction or sometimes affirmation or whatever it is, and I just stop and talk to him about it. But instead of just reading... I am using my imagination. Another amazing strategy, and this is in that teaching, staying sensitive to God part two. Another great strategy is to put yourself in the Bible. Put yourself, imagine that you're one of those people getting healed. There is lots of accounts of healing in the Bible. Imagine yourself as the blind man that Jesus spits on the mud and puts it on your eyes and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam or um, what, you know, there's many, many healings where he, he touches the leper who says, Jesus, if only is it your will, please heal me. And Jesus says, it is my will. Picture yourself as that leper. Put yourself in the story. Imagine yourself in the story. That is a sanctified imagination because you're not just imagining positive. You're imagining the Word of God coming to life in you, in your life, and, and your life in the Word. To keep your mind stayed on the Lord means meditating about God and His Word until it paints an image on the canvas of your heart and you begin to see things from His perspective according to His Word. Meditate on the Word of God until you conceive what the Word says in your imagination. That's another meaning of yetzer, conception. Until you literally become impregnated with the Word, where the Word of God joins with your spirit and you become one. And then continue to incubate that Word with continued meditation. Meditation on the Word of God literally changes the way we see things within our heart. This sanctified imagination isn't seeing with your eyes, it's seeing with your heart. And as we spend more time meditating on God's Word about healing, the Holy Spirit paints a new picture of health in our hearts that displaces the old pictures of sickness So what you're doing is you are dispossessing the old inhabitants, and you're possessing the promise. A new picture's in your heart. You've dispossessed the sickness. Instead of seeing yourself sick, you start seeing yourself whole. Instead of seeing yourself with the wrong identity, you're starting to see yourself with your true identity. If the negative picture in our heart is going to change, it is imperative that we change our focus until we see ourselves well on the inside. We must see it to be it, amen. Proverbs 23, seven says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So what is that picture in your heart? That is who you will manifest. That is what will manifest in your life. I stand right now declaring in faith that when we see ourselves well, That when we see the word of God in our heart, not just in our head, but in our heart, that it manifests in our life, God, your word, your will be done in us here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Okay, so we're going to take a shift now, and we're going to talk about divine healing, divine health. And divine life. Because guess what? It's all in his word. It's all part of our inheritance. But in each one of these areas, I'm going to give you scriptures, few scriptures. Huh, there's hundreds. I'm going to give you just a couple on each one of these areas. If we possess the truth through meditation, through changing the picture in our heart, if we possess the identity of healing or our identity of a divine health or our identity of a divine life. That's when we're going to see it come to pass in our life. Possess the land. Possess truth. Possess your new identity. Possess healing and health. So let's talk about divine healing first. You ready for some good word? This is word you all know. This is word you've probably heard hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. Let's let it go into our heart. Let's paint a picture. This, the um, translation that I'm going to read out of is the passion. You know I've been reading from the passion a lot lately. It just, just stirs in my heart when I read it. So we're going to um, read Isaiah 53, a very familiar promise about Jesus, our healer. This word was written prophetically, about six or 700 years before Jesus was even born. As I read this, I, I put the scriptures in your handouts this time because there weren't a whole lot of them this week. But as I read this, I want you to, it, it's okay, to you don't need to see me. Just close your eyes and let the picture of this word come into your heart. See this. Envision this. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Yet Jesus was the one who carried our sicknesses and endured the torment of our sufferings. Jesus, our Savior, Jesus, our Healer, carried our sicknesses. What is the sickness? That your body has been fighting but he didn't just carry sickness he also endured the torment of your sufferings the word torment means pain intense pain and it can refer to mental pain emotional pain or physical pain Jesus with love demonstrated to us carried our sickness and endured the intense pain of our suffering. And then verse 5 says, he endured the punishment that makes us completely whole. He endured the punishment, and that punishment was the whipping on his back. He chose to endure the punishment. He didn't have to. He could have said, no, thank you. But he was purchasing our wholeness. He endured the punishment that purchased our peace, our wholeness. That's that same word, shalom. And by his wounding, we found our healing. By the wounding on Jesus' body, we found our healing. That's God's Word. That is a promise that we need to possess, that we need to take. Feed your soul. Get it in, the, in your heart of hearts of hearts. You know my story about going to see The Passion of the Christ, if you've been here very much. I went to that movie shortly after I was healed, and I told myself, Jesus, if you could have taken those stripes on your back, the least I can do is watch it. And when I went to that movie, I made myself keep my eyes open. It's probably the hardest thing I've ever done because I close my eyes to everything. Kent knows I won't watch anything, anything that has blood and stuff on it. I just won't watch it. But I made a choice before I even went in to keep my eyes open. And I was crying so hard during the whole whipping. And every stripe that Jesus took on his back, out loud in that theater, I said, by your stripes, I was healed. By your stripes, Jesus, I was healed. We need that picture on the canvas of our heart. That's what this promise gives us. But we can, we can have it so, um, I don't know, so just on our, in our brain that we don't even think about it anymore. We need to possess the truth in the in the heart of our hearts. First Peter two twenty four is the scripture that that looks back at the finished work. This is one is looking forward prophetically, or the first one was, and then First Peter twenty four is looking back. It's a very similar scripture. Jesus Himself carried our sins in His body on the cross, so that we would be dead to sin and alive unto righteousness, our instant healing flowed from his wounding." As I was reading this translation, the word instant just stood out to me. We receive instant healing when we accept a sacrifice. You don't have to wait. The instant you receive Jesus as your Savior, healing is yours. It's in your spirit realm. You may not have seen it. You probably haven't seen it in your soul or your body. But it's yours instantly. This whole, this is one verse. If you read it in the King James or the New King James, it's one sentence. There's no period. Because it's all part of salvation. This is a promise of healing. Here's one more promise. Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He has done for me. He forgives all my sins, and He heals all my diseases. All. It's one sentence, one scripture. Verse 2, verse 3, He forgives all our sins, and He heals all our diseases. The reason I'm sharing scripture today that you know very well is because we're talking about possessing, healing. And the first step to possessing healing in your body is to possess truth of healing. Ask God for a word for you for your specific need. These are very common scriptures. They're still power packed but we need to meditate on them so that they're alive in our heart because they are so common to us. Ask God for a specific word for you. He will give it to you. Since I've shared this since yesterday, I have had several people come to me and say, Cindy, God gave me this specific word and they open their Bible and they show it to me. Ask him. If you don't have a specific word for the need that you're in the midst of, ask him. I want to go through one more point on healing before we um, move ahead. And that is Jesus. You know, when I'm talking to a new person for the first time that doesn't know about Jesus, God's will to heal, this is usually where I go. I say, look at Jesus. Look at what Jesus did when he walked on this earth. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He healed everyone. He never turned anyone away. And he is a perfect representation of the heart of God. So if he healed everyone with such compassion... There are 31 individual accounts of healing in the Bible, and many of them are repeated numerous times in the four Gospels. But there are 31 different individual accounts of healing. And then in addition to that, there are 20 accounts where he healed every single person in need in a mass of people. That in itself is enough to say, "Uh, Jesus heals. He didn't give sickness. He didn't withhold healing he didn't say, you're not worthy. In fact, he did the opposite. He healed, and then he said, go and sin no more on two different occasions. He f- was filled with compassion, and he healed, and he healed, and he healed. Hebrews 13 8, Jesus Christ is the same. He is eternally changeless, always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. That's in the Bible. I happen to believe the Bible and if the Bible says Jesus is the same then he's the same and if he healed when he walked on this earth he still heals today amen so we need to possess the truth about healing and then we need to possess our identity as healed the spiritual realm The true identity that resides in your spirit is more real than the physical realm. I'm going to make some statements now that are powerful. These are a shift in paradigm, a a shift in our paradigm of faith. And some of the things that I'm going to say, I literally use these as my declarations because I want my identity to agree with what God says about me. So listen to this. Faith for healing has nothing to do with the facts of your life. Faith for healing has to do with truth, with the realm of the truth of the Word of God. Facts are a reality, but truth is a greater reality. God's promises are a greater reality than your doctor's report. Truth trumps facts every time. Sickness may be a fact, but the truth is that Jesus already paid for your healing And if you're born again, healing is already yours in the spiritual realm. That's truth Eyes of faith can look at facts. You can look at that doctor's report, but still believe the truth Facts are subject to change, but truth always remains constant But it takes renewing of your mind to see with eyes of faith instead of your natural eyes. Think about blind Bartimaeus. We talked about him last week. He made a choice. He threw off that cloak and he went to Jesus. He wasn't healed yet, but he threw off his identity of a blind man. He said, nope, that's not who I am. Get it off of me. I'm going to Jesus. Jesus is my healer. And he got healed. That's what God wants us to do. Throw off our misperceived identity of sick or pain, chronic pain, or not worthy, or whatever that thing is. Throw it off, get up, and go to Jesus. Start seeing with eyes of faith instead of natural eyes. And here's a common misunderstanding. This is where we're going to put a switch in your thinking. A common misunderstanding is that you must fight to get healed instead of fighting because you've been healed. It's past tense. Are you trying to obtain healing or are you defending healing that you already have? Are you trying to obtain healing or are you defending a healing that's already yours? Because it's much easier to defend something you already have than it is to get something that you don't have. This is a powerful statement. I'm not a sick person trying to get healed. I am a healed person defending the healing that's already in me. I'm not a sick person trying to get healed. I'm a healed person defending the healing that's already in me. Big difference. That's a powerful declaration. So remember, we talked about this last week. A change in identity brings about a change of destiny. If sickness or any other issue of life has defined your life, God wants to redefine you. Say yes to him. Yes, Daddy. Yes. Yes. So divine healing is your present possession, but we need to possess it. But there's more. He doesn't want just, he doesn't just want you healed. He wants you walking in divine health. Divine health. Listen to the scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I underlined a couple things up there. The first one is sanctify. He wants to sanctify you completely. The God of shalom... The God of peace sanctifies us. Remember, sanctified means to be separated from the world, the world's view, the world's way of seeing things, and to be set apart in his purpose for your life. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says he has a really good plan for you, a plan to prosper you, not to harm you, a plan to bring you a hope, and a future every single season of your life. Barb, he has a future for you. An amazing future for you. And his plan is to separate you from the world, from the worldview, from the world's way, so that you can step into that plan that he has for you or to continue moving ahead in that plan that he has for you. But then it goes on and it says, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Think about the word preserved in the natural. Just, you know, a dictionary definition of preserved. This scripture says, may every part of you, we know our spirit is already perfect. But God says, not just your spirit, but your spirit and your soul and your body, may it be preserved blameless. The word preserved means to be kept safe from injury, harm, or destruction. To be kept alive, intact, and free from decay. Free from uh, breaking down or getting weak or not as strong or sickly or uh, aged or whatever. Oh, no, 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 this body this soul, this spirit is preserved by my great big God. Amen. But then if you look at the biblical meaning of that, preserved blameless, it's only one word in the, in the um, original language. And I don't I didn't write the word down, but this is what it means. It means to be carefully tended and taken care of. That's what God does with us. Spirit, soul, and body. He carefully tends and takes care of us. I, when I read this, I think of a gardener. I love gardening. Not super great at it, but I thoroughly enjoy gardening. It's just like uh, I could just spend all day in the gardens. And um, think about God just tenderly taking care of you taking care of you know and and I don't mean this in a in a corrective way because he does it with such love but he prunes he pulls off the yucky stuff the dead stuff he he takes weeds out from around everything he waters he fertilizes he loosens the soil of your heart He, he tends to us in every way, spirit and soul and body, so that we can live that preserved life, that healthy, that beautiful life. And the purpose of a garden is to be beautiful and to be fruitful. The more you nurture it, the more beautiful it becomes. The more you care for it, the more fruit it produces, if it's a fruit garden or a vegetable garden. So as I was preparing this yesterday, I was in my bedroom, it's usually where I am, I close the door. And I was in there just preparing, and I started to think about God being a master gardener, and I started to think, well, about my flowers, and um, I, so I went outside and took a couple snapshots and put them on this slideshow. And the first one is my one of my baskets of flowers, and it's not that doesn't show it as beautiful as it is, but it is absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. It's so healthy. There's no yucky dead stuff on it and but what do I do I go out there every day or every other day and I cut off the dead stuff and it, Kent has blessed me with a drip system so it waters twice a day because we, we're gone a lot and wouldn't live otherwise and and I miracle grow it every week I really love to I've learned the the, the uh magic of miracle grow it's amazing what it will do and it's just gorgeous when I planted that it had like I think four or five plants that were little itty bitty things in this great big pot and now it's just overflowing with beauty. And, and then the next picture, this is my herb garden and it sits right outside my kitchen window. So when I'm at my kitchen sink, that's what I see. And I use those almost every day when I'm cooking. It's so much fun to, you know, I'm making a salad and I go cut some chives and cut some basil. and. You know, put all that stuff in my, in my food, in my, in, in my cooking. So that's carefully tended. And the, pow- the beauty of carefully tending something is it becomes full and rich and beautiful and fruitful. That's what God does for us. That's his design for us. We need to meditate on what he's doing in us as he gardens our lives. I'm going to share a story now about a man who has possessed the truth about healing to such a degree. Probably there's not many men that have possessed the truth to this degree. He's one of the generals of faith. He's no longer with us. John G. Lake is who I'm going to tell you about. I've got a book. It's about that thick and it's called God's Generals. Oh, I highly recommend it. It's fun to read. But John G. Lake is one of God's generals. He so possessed the truth of healing that Seattle's hospitals were almost closed because that's where he was from. And he had healing rooms in the city of Seattle and everybody got healed because they believed and the people that he trained up under him were such strong believers. Everybody got healed. Um, and, but he didn't just possess the, the revelation of truth about healing. He also possessed the revelation of truth about divine health. And this story that I'm going to read you gives evidence of that. So this happened um, when he was a missionary to South Africa between 1908 and 1913. While he was there, a bubonic plague broke out. Now, this whole COVID-19 is nothing compared to a bubonic plague. While he was there, he was caring, taking care of the sick, and burying the dead. But Britain sent a ship of medical supplies and a corps of doctors to help him. The doctors asked Lake how he had protected himself from the deadly plague. This was his answer. I believe that the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. And as long as I walk in the light of the law of the spirit of life, no germ will attach itself to me so we're gonna I'm gonna explain that in just a minute but what this man did was he took a promise he took that promise we're gonna talk about in a second and it came alive in him it was so true it was painted on the canvas of his heart so true that it wasn't just a word It wasn't just something in the spiritual realm it had come to reality in the in his heart and then it was manifest in his life when he was um, contaminated through that whole uh, I don't know how long it was that that bubonic plague was going on and he never was infected so here's the scripture and this is what I've been meditating on over the last few days the law of the spirit of life the law of the spirit of life is the complete work of salvation bringing life from the Spirit of God to us the law of the Spirit of life is what we receive when we receive Jesus life the fullness of life we're talking about divine healing divine health and divine life right now this promise which is Romans 8 verse 2 says that when we received The law of the spirit of life that we've been set free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is everything evil that came into the world through sin. Such as disease, poverty, addiction, spiritual death, and early physical death. John G. believed it. John G. Lake believed it. He believed that this life that he possessed in his spirit and in his soul was also his in life. And he had been delivered. He had been set free from the power of the curse, which is the law of sin and death. And then he proved it. Listen to this. The doctors were unconvinced. So Lake insisted that they do a microscopic experiment on him. Lake showed them that, um, that if you took some of the bubonic plague foam from the dead people and put it under a microscope, it was moving it was alive it was living germs living viruses but if they took that same foam and they put it on his hand and then looked at that under the microscope it died on contact it proved the Word of God he chose to walk in what God gave him which is divine health divine healing and divine health. He didn't have to get healed of bubonic plague. He was healthy. His body wouldn't receive it. I have been speaking that over my family and over you guys, this whole COVID-19. No COVID-19 virus, germ, will touch my body and live. It will die on contact. I am protected. I, the spirit of life, the law of the spirit of life, has freed me from the law of sin and death, and that includes COVID-19. And I claim that for you as well. I speak that over you as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's another scripture about divine life. Psalm 103, verse 5. Love this one. It's one of the the promises of the benefits of God. Who satisfies my mouth, my necessity and desire at my personal age and situation with good so that my youth renewed is like the eagles, strong, overcoming, and soaring. This is the promise of renewed youth. This is a promise of divine health your whole life long. But in order to receive the benefits, you need to possess it. And you need to see yourself that way. See yourself with renewed youth. Don't see yourself aging. Don't see yourself having pains in your bodies just because you're another year older. Oh, no, 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 no see yourself with health walking in divine health all the days of your life amen so divine healing divine health and the third one god showed me several years ago he doesn't want us to just live in divine healing and divine health he wants us to live in the fullness of divine life john 10 10 the thief came A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Now, I'm not saying everything's perfect, but you can walk through the trials and tribulations and come out on the other side. We can walk with every need met with wholeness in our lives, joy in our lives. My mom and dad are, I tell you this all the time. I brag on my mom and dad all the time. Dad's 92 and mom's 90. They walk through every day of their life filled with joy. If you see them, they smile. I mean, if they hear my voice, I can hear the smile in their face. They are filled with joy. Is everything perfect? No. No. My mom, you know, needs a lot of help. She's got very 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 short memory (laughs) but she's happy they're living their life to the full they're living this divine life and they have their whole life but it's a choice believing the word possessing the truth seeing yourself walking in divine life and then acknowledging god and choosing to live in joy and in the fullness of life that god has promised us philippians 4 19 says i am convinced I am convinced that my God will fully satisfy my every need, for I have seen the abundant riches of glory revealed to me through the Anointed One, Jesus Christ. And 3 John 1, 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers. He wants us to live healthy, whole, prosperous lives. When kent and i retired it's been seven years since we've retired and when we retired it was a faith it was an act of faith because we were you know 55 and and the the paycheck was stopping and the pension thank god i had a school pension was starting and you know we got lots and lots of years before social security was ready to to give us anything in addition and it was like okay god I know what you've called us into. There is no doubt what is in my heart. The picture was so big in my heart, it was shouting at me. I couldn't not listen to it. But what has God done? He has made the way. He has opened the doors. He has... It's, it's been so much more than I could expect. As the, the John 10.10 10 scripture says, m- way more. We just took a step of faith and said, okay, God, we trust you. Possess truth. Possess your identity. Possess your healing, your wholeness, your health, your divine life. That's what God wants us to, to have.